All right, so we're looking at uh, 1 John 2, 7 through 11. And I'm going to go ahead and read that, so at least we'll have it in our, in, our, in our minds. It says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had, had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. So as we progress through this epistle of John, uh, we've covered... Um, you know, such things as the evidence of our, our fellowship with God in 1 John 2, 3 through 8, or 2, 3 through 6. And we learned about our obedience um, to his word as our means of knowing God and maintaining fellowship with God, 1 John 2, 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So the obedience is a big part of our fellowship with God. We also looked at our submission to his word that is seen in our abiding with the Father as Christ has given us an ensample by his life. First John 2, 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. And for my, for my opinion, that to me is the key verse to this entire epistle uh, because we are to be like Christ. And all of this is with the understanding that there exists, and we cannot forget this, and unfortunately some of the commentaries and some of the folks that I've looked at regarding this epistle, it's almost as though they overlooked this, but there are seducers out there trying to woo you away from God's truth, trying to woo you away from from what God's Word actually says, and so they're preaching another gospel and they're presenting another Jesus. And I think I've really talked a lot about that. I've given you a lot of examples that are out there, but that is out there, and that's something that we always have to keep in mind, and we can't choose to ignore it. So what we're going to consider now is what I consider the uh, third evidence uh, of fellowship with God that leads us into an assurance concerning our being in fellowship with God, and that is our love for God, our love for the brethren. So I've outlined this next section in the following way, you've got the old commandment, 1 John 2, 7, and then you've got the new commandment. I forgot to put the verses up there. Then you've got the new commandment he's going to talk about in 1 John 2, 8. And then you've got the objective of our love or the objective of these commandments, and we're going to look at that in 1 John 2, 9 through 11. So we've got the old, the new, and the objective. So as you read through 1 John 2, uh, starting with verse 1, and you go all the way down to verse 6, and then you come to verse 7, right? It's almost like John is kind of switching gears in his thoughts, right? All of a sudden there's this change of direction or change of topic in his in his uh, writing here, but that's not true. It's still within the context of 1 John 1, 5, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Because as you read through this passage here, 7 through 11, there is the issue of light and darkness still being dealt with. 
right? There still is uh, this issue of light and darkness that's still at the very forefront of what John is wanting to communicate to us in regards uh, to these commandments. And um, so John is taking us from what some might term as like abstract theology, and he's taking what he has taught, and he's going to now put practical reality to this. He's going to put practical reality to this. And uh, to walk in the light that God is uh, will be manifested by our love for one for another. All right? So you, if, if you're not loving somebody, you're not walking in the light. That's what John is saying. Uh, we can choose to walk in the light. We can choose to love others. Or we can choose to walk in darkness. And we can choose, and he uses a very strong word, hate our own brothers and sisters in Christ, then don't tell me that don't happen. Because we know it does. We know it does happen. Um, I put up here a, a picture. Anybody recognize what that is? If you own an automobile, right, that's a check engine light. And most of your modern cars uh, have that check engine light. Uh, in fact, the check engine light didn't come into existence in uh, autom- autom- um, automobiles until about 1996. And at that time, the federal go- government was mandating an onboard vehicle diagnostic system, and they called it OBD2, not to be confused with R2D2. Okay? Or Obi-Wan Kenobi. But this was a requirement for all the new vehicles being made uh, by the manufacturers to try to reduce vehicle emissions. Okay? So when the light comes on, this tells the driver of the car that this onboard diagnostic computer has detected an issue that needs attention. Now, you can choose to ignore this light, like I do with my truck. And perhaps get away with driving your car for a while, but eventually, whatever the reason is that this check engine light had come on, it's it's finally going to surface through a breakdown, right? Your car is just going to break down. It's going to it's going to quit running. Well, I use this because the same is true about the Christian life. Uh, God's word uh, may alert us to an issue of our heart. And if we choose to ignore this issue that God's word reveals, um, it could prove detrimental to our relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with others. You know, the Holy Spirit of God, he might place his finger on, a, on an issue of your heart that God's word has um, alerted you of. And if you ignore that... Um, Chances are it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it says here, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Greek word here for discerner is where we get the word critique. Critique. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who like to critique God's word. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We should let God's word critique us. It needs to critique us. I mean, we can choose to ignore whatever it is that God has 
revealed to us in his word and we can go about our business but eventually whatever that issue of the heart is that we choose to ignore if we fail to deal with it according to God's word guess what folks eventually that will surface and it will cause us some problems it will cause us some trouble Uh, God's Spirit will faithfully expose these things through His Word about us. We need to be faithful in return and take those necessary biblical steps to turn that check engine light out. It really is the the best way uh, to go about it. You know, I have learned that uh, the only person that I have any real control over uh, to make any kind of change in the way somebody thinks or the, or somebody's attitude or, or somebody's behavior, the only person that I have any real control over is guess who? Yeah, myself. Myself. I mean, I can warn others, I can encourage others, I can admonish others to do right. Uh, but in the end, you know, I'm really the only person that I really have any kind of power to change. I'm the only one that has that uh, ability or that control. So when that internal check engine light uh, comes on, then I'm personally responsible for it. I'm personally responsible for it, and I need to deal with it. And I need to deal with it in accordance to God's word if I desire to remain in fellowship with God and if I desire to remain in fellowship with other folks. But if I refuse to deal with it, then, you know, then problems and issues are going to arise. You know, I've also discovered that some of us, remember what I said about the, the word critique? That discern, that is the discerner of the hearts? Uh, some of us are really good at that. We're really good uh, critics. I mean, we're able to step back and we can see the shortcomings in other people's life and we can see that engine light just blinking away in somebody else's life, you know. Uh, but um, some of us will use that to justify their own engine light being on. Okay? Uh, well, my check engine light may be on, but it's not nearly as bright as so-and-so's. <laughs> Right, And so, because somebody else's check engine light is brighter than my light, then I'm, you know, I'm pretty well, I don't have to do anything. I'm not as bad as they are. Well, guess what? That don't work. Because you're still going to have to answer to who? To the Lord. You're still going to have to answer to the Lord. If he's bringing something to your attention, then you need to, you need to deal with it and don't let it go on. I mean, that's not a good plan to ignore that internal check engine light. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. You know, yeah, you can ignore that check engine light for a while, and yeah, you might be able to justify your issues of life because somebody else's issues is bigger than your issues, and that might work to a point here on earth, but when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to ask you about that check engine light. How come you never took care of that? How come you never took care of that? 
So on your study guide, this is your first blank. <coughs> In this passage of 1 John 2, 7 through 11, we'll consider two ways that believers... Uh, two ways that believers may determine whether they are walking in the light or walking in darkness. All right, so your, your blank is two ways. The next blank is John informs us that it is possible to experience and maintain fellowship with this God of uncompromising truth. So experience and maintain is your two words. It's like what Jesus said in John 14:2. If it were not so, I would also I would have told you so. It is possible. It is possible. And as I mentioned before, this privilege of having fellowship with the Father is something that we should be very jealous of. We should be very jealous of this. And we shouldn't permit anything or anyone, including ourselves, to hinder or interfere with this fellowship with the Father. So when that check engine light starts blinking in your life, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. So on your study guide, this God who is light, who also is righteous, is your blank, as well as love, is the Father that we have the privilege of knowing and fellowship because of Jesus Christ the righteous. I mean, this privilege came at a great cost. It came at a great cost. But if we choose to ignore what John is writing about in our relationship with God, or if we choose to ignore God's word, period, you know, and we choose to ignore that check engine light in our own hearts, the result will be a breakdown in fellowship. And we don't want that. You know, tragically, like cars abandoned alongside the roadside, there's so many believers whose lives are just like that. They're like, they're like they're broke down along the highway. I mean, they're still here. You know, you can see them, they're still here, but on the inside, they're, they're all broke down. Their fellowship is broken down with God. And of course, the remedy to this, you folks want a study guide? Well, you're gonna have to come down and get it. I'm tethered to this podium. You're welcome. So what page are we on on the study guide? All right, we're still on page one. So the remedy to this is to love as he loved. Just as we are exhorted to walk as he walked. A.W. Tozer once said... We cannot pray in love and live in hate and still think that we are worshiping God. And I think that's true. We cannot pray in love and live in hate and still think that we are worshiping God. You know, we often hear someone say, well, I'm not called to like them, only to love them. You ever heard that? Well, I'm not called to like them, I'm only... You know, I'm called to love them. You know, I I sometimes cringe. It's like another saying I keep hearing. Uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. I think that kind of mentality, that kind of thinking is dangerous. It's dangerous. You know, sometimes we say things like that to excuse 
our own sin or our own rebellion and maybe excuse us for not loving our brethren. In his book, Life in Christ, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he wrote this. He says, liking is something that belongs to the animal part of the life, the natural man. You find this in the animal world itself. There is something instinctive, something that is just an expression of nature. Or to put it further, the state of liking is, is one in which we are naturally interested in the person as such. It is certain qualities of that person, certain things about them that we like or dislike. In other words, liking does not penetrate to the central core of personality. It's an interest in superficial things. It's according to appearance or color or temperament or behavior or certain mannerisms. Then he goes on, he says, love is never elemental or instinctive. Because love is something that penetrates to the person. It goes beyond the superficial and the visible, the carnal and physical attraction to something bigger and deeper. Indeed, it is an essential part of love that it goes out of its way to do that. Love overcomes obstacles and excuses. It sees beyond that what it does not like and minimizes it in order to see the person who is at the back of it. 1 John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. See, love penetrates beyond the ugliness and the unattractiveness. Love seeks out something. It is, it is, it is, it is intelligent. It is thoughtful. It is understanding. It's not according to whether I like the way Sherry looks or I like the way Ray dresses. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. It looks, it looks to the person. And this is the love that God loved you and I with. Right? He looked beyond the ugliness of our sin and sent his son to redeem us from this ugliness. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet ugly and unattractive, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. So I guess in the same vein as what Tozier said, fellowship with God without charity toward others is a false fellowship. It's a false fellowship. For God is love, and he that loveth knoweth not, and he that loveth not knoweth not God. Knoweth not is not to be understood in the sense of being lost, but being in the sense of out of fellowship. So love is important. Love is important. He goes on in 1 John 2, 7. He says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had heard from the beginning. So who is John writing to? Yeah, he's writing to brethren. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to born-again believers in Jesus Christ. That's who he's writing to. He's writing to those who know the way, the truth, and the life. That's who he's writing to. 
brethren, a fellow believer, united to one another by the bond of affection because of their joint relationship in Jesus Christ. You guys may not like this, but you're related to me in Christ. I'm sorry, but that's just the reality of it. Colossians 3.11 says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So if Jesus Christ is in you and Jesus Christ is in me, guess what? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all part of that family of God. And this is what relates us to each other, Christ in us and me and in you. So, you know, you may not like me, and I don't blame you, but you need to look beyond that and love who's in me. And I, in turn, do the same for you. It's due to this relationship that Paul continues with the following exhortation in Colossians 3. He says in verse 12, he says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, (coughs) bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Boy, we could do do with a good dose of that, folks. Forbearing one another. Oh, my goodness. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That kind of takes away any excuse, doesn't it? And then he says this in verse 14. And above all these things, and those are good things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Like uh, the ligaments and the tendons in the body that holds all of this together. That's what holds everything together in the church. That bond of charity. It's like the tendons and sinew of of a body. Has anybody ever experienced tendonitis? That's a lot of fun, isn't it? Tendonitis is that inflammation or irritation of the tendon that makes it swell. And if you leave it untreated, it becomes very painful. And you could lose uh, muscle function. That's some serious stuff. When the bond of charity starts to break down in a church, a kind of spiritual tendonitis takes place and the church begins to break down. The church begins to break down as the individual members or muscles of the body of Christ start breaking down because they have not maintained that bond of charity between them. And John's not addressing the lost, folks. He's addressing you and I. He's addressing the brethren. He's addressing those who have Christ in them. Later on, you're going to re- we'll read about it and we'll look at it, but we see that some of these brethren, some of them are in the light and some of them are in the darkness. Some of them are, are walking in the light and some of them are walking in darkness. And that's kind of scary, folks, if you stop and think about it, that a believer in Jesus Christ, they may think all is well, but in reality, 
They may be walking in darkness. And that's part of the problem that John points out. They're not even aware that they're walking in darkness because of this attitude. Because of this attitude that they harbor in their hearts. Something else I've I've observed, and I'm guilty of it. But there are people in the church who are struggling, and they're treated as a pariah, as an outcast. And um, they're left to, um, is the right word, languor? Languish. Or languish. And honestly, it may be just a simple act of kindness. It may be just a, a word fitly spoken that could begin the healing in that person's life. That can bring about restoration. <clears throat> Galatians six one says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, these thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I had a pastor friend who used to say that the Christian army is the only army that bayonets its wounded. At the time, I thought, what a weird thing to say. But as I've served and got in ministry, he's absolutely right. We're not very good to our own sometimes. He says, so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's the law of Christ. Having given a lesson in theology, John is now regarding reality in this in this passage here between seven and eleven. You know, he's he's bringing all of this to to a reality. How does this fit in my life? How do I exercise this in my life? John is taking what we have learned in doctrine and applying it in a very, very practical way, in the the most practical way. I'm going to tell you something, you know. Knowing doctrine doesn't do anybody any good unless there's a change in character, a change of priorities in life, a change in behavior due to the renewal that's taking place in our minds. It does you no good if it doesn't draw you closer to God and mature your walk with God. What good is all of that doctrine? What good is all of those 16 lessons in D2 and HBI do you if you do nothing about the check engine light in your life? Or you don't love? Right doctrine, rightly applied, produces right living. And unfortunately, with a lot of folks... That's not taking place. That's not taking place. And I don't know what the reason is. So on your study guide, like a spiritual check engine light, this passage presents to us a scenario that addresses the condition of our fellowship with the Father and the Son in relation to others. So your blank is condition. 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. How? How? 
So on your study guide, the best way to measure is your blank a person's love for God is not so much by how much they know about the Bible, but how much they abide by the Bible. So measure and abide. What does abide mean? It means to live in it. It means to sojourn. Are you living in the Bible? Are you sojourning in the Word of God? The best way to to show this in tandem with a righteous life is in how we treat others. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's a pretty high call, folks. The word perceive is the word gnosko. That's Strong's number 1097 for those who want to get on their phones and check it out. It means come to know, to get a feeling for, or an understanding about something or someone. This term is also used, and I don't mean to be crass, but this is this is the intimacy of it. This term is also used in other uh, literature to refer to the marriage bed. Gnoskos. Yeah, perceive, perceive. So that's the type of intimacy we're talking about. John 15:12 said this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends That's the standard we shoot for You know some of the most righteous people I know some of the sharpest people I know about the Bible are some of the meanest and coldest people I know and myself included myself included it's almost like uh, they have this mindset about themselves that they are simply too righteous or too knowledgeable to care about others. You know, Jesus Christ, the righteous, was the most righteous man that ever lived. Uh, the sharpest doctors of the law couldn't best Jesus on his knowledge of the law. He authored it, right? He authored it. Matthew 5.17, Think not that I am come to to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Jesus Christ lived a righteous life. He preached righteousness. He did all things well in righteousness. His enemies who hated him couldn't find anything that would stick. Right? They couldn't find any unrighteousness. Those who followed him daily, they couldn't find any unrighteousness in him. Yet what set Jesus Christ above the rest was what? His compassion. His love. His grace shown to others. That unlimited love for people. The only people he turned away were those who walked away. For those who walked away. You remember the rich young man? I can't remember which gospel it is. Ron might remember. But when the rich young man, when it was too high, it was just too high for him to deal with and he walked away. I can't remember which gospel it is, but it says that Jesus looked after him and loved him. Even as the man walked away. I I don't know if it's Mark. It might be Mark. 
You want to be like Jesus? Then love others as Jesus loved. In accordance to truth. 1 John 3.18 My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. That's where I get that assurance of fellowship. If you're loving others and you're loving God as God's Word outlines it, then you're in fellowship. That's an assurance for you to know that you're in fellowship with God. You are walking in the light. You are walking in the light. And yeah, we may not feel like loving, but feelings have nothing to do with it. I don't feel like doing a lot of things. But feelings have nothing to do with it. You know, we still are to love as he loved. When Jesus taught and preached the word of God, he preached it from the light of the two greatest commandments. Love God and love others. Really? Really? He was the fulfillment of that. He was the fulfillment of that. 1 John 2, 5, But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. You cannot separate keeping God's word, keeping God's truth, and love if you want to mature, if you want to be perfected. You can't. You just can't do it. You can try, but that old check engine light will come on, and you won't get very far. One will never truly mature in Christ if one does not learn to love as he loved. I'm going to quote a weird verse. Exodus 7.2, it says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. What a weird verse. Yes, sir? Uh, You said Exodus, I think. Uh, Ecclesiastes. Thank you, Ron. I need these spell checkers in my life. Yeah, Ecclesiastes. Uh, I refer to this verse to ask a question. You know, I've... Gosh, isn't it weird how sometimes things seem to just come in in a group? I think here in the last two months, I must have attended at least five funerals. At least. And um, always in a funeral, what is it that you hear? The testimony of the... Uh, somebody has a testimony about the deceased, right? In fact, just yesterday, I went to a funeral. And there were some great testimonies about the the person who passed away. And I always ask myself this question: uh, If I if I am if I were to pass to the other side, what will people say of me on this side? You ever thought about that? Ever thought about that? Uh, Maya Angelo, she cited as saying, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Now, I don't think that's original to her. Uh, Jesus said, therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Right? I've met some amazing people in my life. I really have. I've met some very intelligent people. I've met some really great Bible preachers. I have met some, I've met some millionaires in my time. 
But those I remember best were those who loved the most. It's those folks I remember best. Influencers. I don't know if that's on your study guide or not. But the blank is, we live in a day of influencers. There are people who are actively seeking to influence others. As John testified in 1 John 1 through 3, John and the other apostles, they were influenced by the best of men. The one who was the way, the truth, and the life was the man who influenced John. And one of the primary qualities about Jesus Christ that made the greatest impact about, uh, upon the Apostle John was the great love that Jesus was. When John writes in 1 John 4, 7 through 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. John was writing with authority. Yes, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he was writing with authority. He was writing with certainty. Why? Because he had personally been with this God of love. He had witnessed this great God of love in action. He was influenced personally by being in the presence of this great God of love. And it could be the problem with some of us is, is we do not spend time in the presence of this God of love. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. For John, and even for us, the proof of true fellowship with God, who is love, is to love as he loved. John, 1 John 2.8, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Now, that's a pretty weird, weird thing to, think, to say there. Which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Folks, if you are saved, that darkness of the old nature is past. And we are new creatures in Christ. And this may shock some of you, but what is true of him is now true of you, because he now dwells within you. So that tells me personally, I have no excuse not to love. I have no excuse not to love. We have been given the ability to love as he loved because the very God of love now dwells within us. You ever stop and think about that? Okay, I'm going to get nasty. Okay. But I don't mean it in a nasty way. We are blessed with some very talented folks in our church. We are blessed with some very gifted individuals. Uh, We have some great administrators. We've got some great servants. We've got great prayer warriors. We're blessed with a great pastor. We've got great leadership. We've got great Bible teachers in our church. But let me tell you something. I don't care how talented somebody is. I don't care how gifted somebody is. 
I don't care how devoted somebody may be to the service of this church. If it is without love, it is all vain. Chapter and verse. 1 Corinthians 13.1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. That's the importance of love. That's the importance of love. Pastor Brian once said, and I've got this written down in my Bible, he says, when we die to self, the flesh becomes transparent. And the glory of Christ shines through. I thought, that's a good statement. We need to die to self, folks. If you want to love like Christ loves, then what did he do on the cross? What did he do to prove it? <laughs> yeah. The best way we emulate Christ in our life to others is not so much by our talent or by our knowledge. It's not even by our words, but our loving as he loved us. So on your study guide. We now possess that light by the indwelling Holy Spirit is your blank. The love that is Jesus Christ is now in us. Galatians chapter 5. What is it? Verses 22 through 23. And then on your, on your study, and a true test of our walking in that light that he is, is seen in our love one for another. So Holy Spirit, true test. Yet this is the very internal check engine light that goes off that we choose to ignore. I'm guilty of it. There are times when I know that uh, the situation calls for me to love this individual, and I don't do it. Bing! There goes the engine light. I'm not a super saint. And it's in the context of, of light versus darkness that John is addressing the believer's love for his brethren. Again, love not based on certain qualities of that person. Certain things about them that we like or dislike. They may or may not have a pretty face. Right? But due to Christ in us and Christ in them, that's why we love. That's why we love. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives. What is the... What is the standard? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Romans 13.8 Owe no man anything but what? To love one another, for he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. And this is a topic that John will address often in, in this epistle, along with being righteous, along with walking in the light as he is in the light. Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I had mentioned uh, that we live in an age of influencers. Um, Books, television, internet, Facebook. They're everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. Some good, 
but most are not. Uh, the influences of the world are caught up in the darkness of this world. Uh, they're controlled by their fallen natures, and uh, unwitting, unwittingly, they're nothing more than really the tools in the hands of the enemy. An enemy that hates their souls, but they're blind to even that. And honestly, in this age of information, all, not all information is, is edifying. And I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on in Congress. You know, you could be a moderate, you could be a conservative, you could be a progressive liberal. So it would do us good to heed John's warning of, of the seducers. And I'm going to continually bring that up because that's what John is doing. He's warning of the seducers who want to woo you away from the truth, get you out of that light, and have you walk in their darkness. And sometimes these folks will help you justify your hatred. And they'll have very good arguments why you should hate so-and-so. Even those who may appear to be godly may not necessarily hold fast uh, to God's truth. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful. So I'm going to close with uh, this one final couple of blanks. Some of us would be better Christians. The word is better. Some of us would be better Christians if it were not for the fact that we are influenced by those who are not good Christians. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's going on. Even in this matter that you love one another. So I'm going to close with this. I know I'm about 15 minutes early. Surprise, surprise. What we need to do, folks, is we need to plug our hearts into the Lord's diagnostic machine, His Word. And when that check engine light comes in our hearts, don't ignore it. Find out what God's Word says, how to correct it. And do it. And do it. That's how you're going to grow up. That's how you're going to become perfected. Especially in this matter of loving one another. Amen? I heard a few amens. Yes.